0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Nothing matters more than being at the feet of Jesus. He's in the process of giving birth to a new kind of church in America. The old church, the church of culture, of institutionalism, of entertainment, that church is being dismantled. Not destroyed, dismantled. And we're in for some very difficult times in the transition process. But nothing matters except that we wait before Jesus at his feet. Because this new kind of church is going to be birthed out of fire. The fire and the wind and the power of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament church that we must go back to in practice was birthed out of that fire. And that wind, a small congregation, about 120 people, in a prayer meeting. This new church will be birthed out of a prayer meeting. <clears throat> it's not going to come out of a marketing strategy. It's not going to come by the will of man. It's going to come out of the wind and the fire of the Holy Spirit. Acts, the second chapter. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I want you to note several things. One, it was not the apostles alone who were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the entire congregation Of a hundred and twenty people. There are gifts of the Spirit, pastors, prophets, teachers. They are for, according to Paul in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, to equip the saints for their work of service in the Holy Spirit. There is no division between clergy and laity in this church born of the Spirit. There are just various gifts given to the body. The church of Jesus is to be a body. Now, how did all of this happen? It happened out of a prayer meeting. And out of that prayer meeting... came the mighty power of the Holy Spirit from heaven. They waited on the Holy Spirit. That was Jesus' command. Wait on the Holy Spirit. They waited. He came. And everything was different. And then a crowd gathered. The crowd did not gather because of an advertising campaign or a survey done in the community or an announced meeting. The crowd came in direct response to the sound of the mighty wind and the tongues of fire, and everybody said, What is going on? And they came. And Peter stood up and preached to them. Now he read a passage of scripture to them from the book of Joel. We need to pay careful attention to what it says. In the last days, and we are now in the final remnant of the last days of this era's history. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women I will pour out my spirit in those days. So men and women both are going to be under the power of the Holy Spirit, in the fire of the Holy Spirit, and both will prophesy. Sons and daughters both prophesy. Well, what is prophesying? Prophesying is preaching. There are some people today who say women cannot preach. That's not what the scriptures teach. This is the last day. And men and women, boys and girls, filled with the power of fire of the Holy Spirit, will preach. I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now we're very clear. The Jesus of Nazareth was a man recognized by God. He did miracles, signs, wonders, raised the dead, healed the sick, fed the hungry. And they handed him over to be murdered, to be crucified, by nailing him to a cross. But God raised Jesus from the dead, and so we worship a risen Lord. We worship the resurrected Lord. I remember standing, I'll never forget it, standing in the tomb they think belonged to Joseph of Arimathea where Jesus was placed. I stood in that Jerusalem in that place carved out of rock. I went in and I was blessed to be able to be there by myself. I went in by myself. It smelled of death. I looked. I saw nothing. I was standing there, tears running down my face. This was the Garden of Gethsemane. The same olive trees were still there. Aged ancient, 2,000-plus years old. I stood in that tomb. I had to bend over to go into the tomb. And suddenly, a cry began to come from my heart, and it burst forth from my lips. I raised my hands. He's not here. He's risen. Jesus is arisen. There were no bones to look at. He was risen. It is this resurrected Lord that we serve, and it's this resurrected Lord who said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. You are to wait upon him. Is it any less true that we are to wait today upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit? John Wesley said a man is not qualified to be a pastor who has not been baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Salvation Army would not receive a man or woman to serve in their organization who had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't mean a pretend baptism. I mean a baptism of power. We need to come back to that. A man or a woman should not stand in the pulpit and preach who has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That would exclude just about everybody in America today. The Holy Spirit was poured out in great power, and they responded. In verse 38, this is Acts 2, verse 38. They had just asked the question, Brothers, what shall we do? Because they were cut to the heart. They knew they were sinners. Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Whoa, wait a minute. He didn't say, repent and be baptized and go about your wonderful life and don't worry if you sin because we all sin. And you can't overcome that until you die. He didn't say any such foolish thing. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the removal of your sins. That word forgiveness is afimi, meaning to remove, for the removal of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of wind and fire. You will receive the gift of power. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. There are foolish people today preaching the heresy that the gifts of the Spirit are no longer here for us today. They're lying to you. The scripture says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. I am far off from the apostles. I'm 2,000 years. But the Lord, my God, has called me. So the gift of the Spirit is for me. Even as the gift of the Spirit is for you, and we are to wait upon Jesus, we're to wait in his presence, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters but to wait in the presence of Jesus. He is enough. The resurrected Lord Is enough. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. He is the kingdom of God. Jesus is enough. And he wants to send to us as his gift a church born of fire. I want to be a part of the church that is born of the Holy Spirit, that is born of fire and the wind, that's born in the power of God to confront the powers of darkness. Never, never, never have we ever seen such wickedness as we are seeing today in our Congress, our Senate. In the executive branch, in the judicial branch. Such utter corruption and such utter wickedness throughout the land. Wickedness in the movies, on the on the internet, on the cell phones breaks my heart. I am coming. I come on this radio station to confront the powers of darkness with the anointing he has granted to me. But I do not have the full Pentecost power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. I don't know of anybody else who has it either. But we must have it. It's in other lands. Just not here in America. Because of the wickedness and our arrogance and our can-do attitude that we don't need anything or anybody. We can do it ourselves. No, we cannot do it ourselves. The kingdom of God is languishing. It is dying in America. The church is dead. It's been dead a long time. It took the COVID-19 for the authorities to finally step forward and cause us to be vomited out of our church buildings but the church was dead long before, or it would have stood up and said, no, we are not going to obey. We must obey God rather than man. It was a sure sign that we were dead. When weak-kneed preachers bowed down to Pharaoh and said, we will do whatever you tell us. No, I was taught as a child that if the commands of the civil government go against the commands of God, we are first to obey the kingdom of God, no matter what that costs us. And there is example after example of courageous, godly men and women who stood up and said, Caesar, we will not bow to you we will bow to our Lord Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel is in the blood of Jesus Christ, and he is sending the Holy Spirit, the wind, and the fire to empower us to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Now, about 3,000 were added to the church, the 120 that day. So now they have 3,120. And that counted only the men. We're probably at about 6,000 people in the church, not counting the children. These 6,120 They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So now the apostles stepped forward, taking turns, preaching the gospel of Jesus to them and and teaching them what they had learned in the last three and a half years. They dedicated themselves to fellowship, that is koinonia, that is leaning one on another in support of one another as they learned about this new way of life in Jesus Christ. And, of course, they gave themselves to the breaking of bread. That is, they held communion service, the broken body of Jesus and the spilled blood of Jesus. But they also ate together in one another's homes. They broke bread. And they devoted themselves to prayers. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it wasn't a one-time sweep of 6,000 people who came into the church. Every day people were coming and were being baptized and were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to move with me the time of Charles Finney. Charles Finney in the 1800s is credited with bringing without radio or television or internet or cell phones more than a quarter of a million people to Jesus, one of the greatest moves of God in modern history, maybe in all of the history of the Christian church. He had just been baptized by the Holy Spirit in power. He'd been converted, and then within hours, he'd been baptized by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you some of what he wrote as he recounted this event in his life. I went to the office, and there I was experiencing the renewal of those mighty waves of love and salvation flowing over me when Attorney Wright came into the office. I said a few words to him on the subject of his salvation. He looked at me with astonishment, but made no reply whatsoever. He dropped his head, and after standing a few minutes, left the office. I thought no more of it. Then, but afterward, I found that the remark I had made had pierced him like a sword, and he did not recover from it until he was converted. Soon after, Attorney Wright had left the office. A deacon from the church came into the office and said to me, Mr. Finney, do you recall that my case is to be tried at 10 o'clock this morning? I suppose you are ready. I had been retained to act as his attorney. I replied to him, I have a retainer from the Lord Jesus Christ to plead his cause, and I cannot plead yours. He looked at me with astonishment and said, What do you mean? I told him in a few words that I had enlisted in the cause of Christ and that he must go and get somebody else to attend his lawsuit. I could not do it. He dropped his head. And went out without making any reply. A few moments later, in passing the window, I observed that this deacon was standing in the middle of the road, seemingly lost in deep meditation. He went away, as I afterward learned, and immediately settled his suit. He then committed himself to prayer and soon became a real Christian. I soon set out from the office to converse with all the people I could find about their soul's condition. I had the impression, which has never left my mind, that God wanted me to preach the gospel and that I must begin immediately. I somehow seemed to know it with a certainty that was past all possible doubt, just as I knew that I had received the love of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was first convicted of my sin. The thought had occurred to me that if I was ever converted, I would have to leave my profession, of which I was very fond, and begin preaching the gospel. This at first was an obstacle to me. I thought I had spent too much time and study in my profession to think now of becoming a Christian. If by doing so, I would be obligated to preach the gospel. However, I at last came to the conclusion that I must submit to God, and that I had never commenced the study of law out of any regard to God, and that I had no right to place any conditions on him. I had laid aside the thought of becoming a minister until the thought came to me, as I have related, on my way from my place of prayer in the woods. But now, after receiving the baptism of the Spirit— I was quite willing to preach the gospel. Indeed, I found that I was unwilling to do anything else. I no longer had any desire to practice law. Everything in that direction no longer had any attraction for me at all. I had no desire to make money. I had no hungering and thirsting after worldly pleasures and amusements. My whole mind was taken up with Jesus and his salvation and worldly concerns seemed of very little consequence to me. Nothing, it seemed to me, could put in comparison with the worth of a soul, and I thought no labor could be so sweet, no employment so exalted as that of holding up Christ to a dying world. With this impression, I went forth to converse with anyone I might meet, I first dropped in at a place of the shoemaker, who was a very pious man and, in my estimation, one of the most praying Christians in the church. I found him in conversation with a son of one of the elders of the church. This young man was defending universalism. The shoemaker turned to me and said, "'Mr. Finney, what do you think of the argument of this young man?' The young man then stated what he had been saying in defense of universalism. I was so ready with an answer that in a moment I was enabled to blow his argument to the wind. The young man saw at once that his argument was gone, and he rose up without making any reply and went out suddenly. But I soon observed, as I stood in the middle of the room, "'that the young man, instead of going along the street, "'had passed around the shop, had climbed over the fence, "'and was heading straight across the fields toward the woods. "'I thought no more of it until evening, "'when the young man came out, "'and appeared to be a bright convert, "'telling of his experience. "'He had gone into the woods, and there, "'so he said, had given his heart to God.' I spoke with many people that day, and I believe the Spirit of God made lasting impressions on every one of them. I cannot remember one whom I spoke with who was not afterward converted. In the afternoon, I called at the house of a friend. There was a young man who lived there employed in distilling whiskey. The family had heard that I had become a Christian and as they were about to sit down to tea, they urged me to sit down and have tea with them. The man of the house and his wife were both people of faith, but the wife's sister, who was present, was unconverted. The young man, who distilled whiskey, a distant relative of the family, was rather outspoken and talkative as a universalist, a young man with a good deal of energy. I sat down with them to tea, And they requested me to ask a blessing. Though I had never before asked a blessing, I did not hesitate a moment, but commenced to ask the blessing of God as we sat around the table. I had hardly begun before the state of these young people rose before my mind and excited so much compassion that I burst into weeping and was unable to speak. Everyone around the table sat speechless for a short time while I I continued to weep. Suddenly the young man moved back from the table and rushed out of the room. He fled to his room. He locked himself in and was not seen again until the next morning when he came out, expressing a blessed hope in Jesus Christ. He has been for many years an able minister of the gospel. In the course of the day, my conversation had created a good deal of astonishment in the village. In the evening, without any appointed time having been set that I could learn, I observed that the people were going to the place where they usually held their prayer-meetings. I afterward learned that some time before this some members of the church had proposed to make me a subject of prayer. I also learned that the pastor had discouraged them, saying that he did not believe I would ever be converted because I was very much enlightened against the subject of religion, but very much hardened. Furthermore, he said he was almost discouraged that although I led the choir and taught the young people sacred music, they were so much under my influence that they would probably not be converted while I remained in Adam's. After I was converted, I found that some of the wicked people in the town had hidden behind me. One man in particular, who had a pious wife, had repeatedly said to her, If Christianity is true, why don't you convert Finney? If you Christians can convert Finney, I'll believe also. When an old attorney by the living in Adams heard that I had been converted, he said that it was a hoax that I was simply trying to see what I could make Christian people believe. However, with one consent, the people seemed to rush to the place of worship. I went there myself. The pastor was there along with nearly all the principal people in the village. No one seemed ready to open the meeting. But the church was packed. I did not wait for anybody but arose and began by saying, that I then knew that that religion was from God. I went on and told such parts of my experience as it seemed important for me to tell. The man who had promised his wife that if I was converted, he would believe was present, as was the old attorney. What the Lord enabled me to say seemed to take a wonderful hold upon the people's hearts. As soon as I'd finished speaking, the pastor rose and he made a confession. He confessed that he had discouraged the church when they had proposed to pray for me. He said also that when he'd heard that day that I was converted, he had promptly said he did not believe it. He said he had no faith. He spoke in a very humble manner. I'd never before prayed in public, but soon after, The pastor was through speaking. He called on me to pray. We had a wonderful meeting that evening. And from that day, we had a meeting every evening for a long time. And the work on every side. He speaks about the word of God having such wonderful power. He said he was surprised to find that a few words spoken to an individual would stick in that person's heart like an arrow. I shared with you some of the experience of Charles Finney in the book Holy Spirit Revivals after he was converted and filled with the power, the fire of the Holy Spirit. I know many times I've come to this radio and there has been a small return of men and women who fell under conviction and who proceeded to seek after Jesus with all their heart to leave their sin, to be made righteous. But many others have turned the broadcast off in the middle of it and walked away and said, that preacher is crazy. Or they've gotten angry and they've stopped listening. Some who were friends before cut me off from even friendship. They don't appreciate my talking so frankly about the power and the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit. They falsely believe that they received everything when they were baptized in water. But they have no fruit born in their life. Year after year, no one is converted by their words. We all need, we all need Jesus. to be on our knees in his presence, to be made complete, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The work of the gospel is hamstrung by the lack of the Holy Spirit. He said, you can do nothing without me. In John 15, You can do nothing without me. We have Jesus by way of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said. He would not leave us as orphans. He would send to us the Holy Spirit. If this new kind of church is going to be born, it must be born of the fire and the wind of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we're simply carrying on in a human way, the American way, the can-do way, the human flesh way, and we will establish again the ugly, ineffective, institutional church pastored by hirelings who have a career as a pastor, earning a good salary and a comfortable life. I don't believe that's going to happen. I believe that Jesus is very serious about dismantling the modern American institutional church, entertainment center, prostitution. And we are now waiting on the Holy Spirit to come with mighty power, with wind and fire. That when the work of the gospel is spoken, when it's preached, when it's shared on the street, when it's shared at the workplace, the Holy Spirit's arrow pierces that person's heart. And they come into a new place with Jesus. My brother, my sister, We need Jesus. And we can only have Jesus now by way of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He told us to wait upon the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to wait on the Holy Spirit? Is Jesus enough for you? Will you kneel in his presence... And will you wait on Jesus? Luke 11 says the Father is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to them who ask than are parents willing to give good gifts to their children. I will wait upon the Lord for the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will wait with me. Oh, Jesus, mighty and awesome God from heaven, I come pleading today for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in power, in fire and wind. You said we needed to ask. And Lord, those that you spoke to about asking had left their sin. They no longer walked in the way of the flesh, the world, the devil. I know many have asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit while they still are walking in the wickedness of their heart. Many have said, I want to be with Jesus. I want to be a friend of Jesus but they still walk in the wickedness of the world. Lord, I know you're looking for a people who will confess your name, Jesus, who will call upon your name and who will leave their sin and say no and be born from above by the Spirit. And then those men and women who will wait upon you for the baptism of the fullness of power of Pentecost to move forward this great work that must be done to restore America. Lord, I plead your mercy today for your people. And if there be any today listening to this broadcast who are yet walking in sin, calling themselves Christians. Lord, would you come now in mighty power and convict them of their sin and turn them from their way of darkness? Lord, the church is filled with wickedness, with pornography, with fornication, with uncleanness, The church today in America is filled with arrogance and pride, with ambition. Lord, the church is filled with casual entertainment. It lusts after the professional sports of our day. It lusts after the the football. Soon the baseball, and then basketball, and tennis. Lord, the professional sports have captivated the minds of many Americans. So they go to the circus while the nation is dying. Lord, I plead that you will bring great conviction of sin to your people that you will prepare their hearts for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For, Lord, you are everything. Jesus, you are enough. My heart fills with joy that your salvation is granted to every man or every woman who will confess your name and turn from their sin and be born from above. Lord, my heart rejoices in you. I praise you, Jesus. I honor you. Glory, glory, glory to the name of Jesus. And I bind in the name of Jesus every power of demonic force that would come against the church in America. The church does not belong to you, devil. It belongs to Jesus Christ. He died for the church. O Lord, come with mighty power. We will wait upon you for the wind and the fire, the baptism of Pentecost. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I pray today's broadcast has encouraged your heart and will cause you to deal with any sin that remains in your life, that you will trust fully in the complete salvation that Jesus wrought for us at Calvary's tree. I pray that you will now wait upon the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're out of time for today. I've been crying out to God for the money to pay for the radio for this month. The funds are not all in. I need to hear from you. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online, or you can write to me. I go to the post office with a prayer in my heart every day, and every day this week, it's been empty. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Let me give you that address again. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Some of you can give very large sums. Some of you can only give 5 or $10. It all adds up. And every month, year after year, this bill has been paid as I have waited before the Lord in faith, knowing that His people want this broadcast to continue. If you're one of those and the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, give today today is when it will count. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.